So we've been preaching and praying towards Pentecost for several weeks now. And in the first sermon of this series, I reminded you that it was your duty to tend your spiritual growth. Tending your spiritual life is your responsibility. It's important. Last week, I talked to you about the responsibility of knitting together the fellowship, of binding it together, and how fundamentally important the fellowship really is. And we have got to tie it together by investments in one another. Today, I'm going to talk about being kind to everyone. And then next Sunday, I'm going to give you a pledge card. And I'm telling you this now so that you won't start to hyperventilate when I put a pledge card in your hand. This isn't a pledge card seeking cash. It will be a pledge card seeking action. And I'm going to give you that in an envelope that looks like this, and I'm going to ask you to consider it and to fill it out and stick it in one of the boxes in the back of the sanctuary next week. I'm just telling you now so that when you see this, you'll know what to expect and what's coming down the road. I'm trying to understand how to be kind to everyone. I'm not very good at it, frankly. Recently, you know, my father's car was stolen from our driveway. Since damage was done, the car had to, once it was recovered, go to the repair shop. I won't mention the name of the shop we use because I had something of a frustrating experience. After being told what day the repairs would be completed, which seemed like quite a lot of days to me, considering that only a few things needed to be done, I called the shop on the day that the car was due to be returned. I had hoped to receive a call from them earlier in the day, but not receiving one, I called them just a little bit before closing time, hoping that I could go and pick up the car. Oh, I'm told, the people who were supposed to fix the wheel got confused, and your car is here, but it's not finished yet. When will it be done, I asked. We will have to send it away again. When will it be finished? It will take another five days. Five days? I said, Nancy and I both have appointments. It's hard for three drivers to negotiate the use of one car. Yes, I know it will be an inconvenience, and then silence. Okay, let's get the job done. So five days later, I call again. Sorry, we don't have your car back yet. We'll call you when it's finished. When will it be finished, I asked. Hopefully tomorrow. I will call tomorrow at the end of the day. I call tomorrow at the end of the day. We're sorry, we don't have your car back from the wheel people yet. In frustration, I say, this is not right. At this point, you have had my car for an additional week beyond what you promised. You haven't offered me a rental car, and the error is completely on you guys. It's not our fault. I stop. The guy at the other end of the line says, and I wonder if he's reading from a script, I'm sorry for the inconvenience. And then silence. And then I say, please don't send me a survey when this is done. Have a nice day. And I hung up. It wasn't my best moment. 
I don't always know how to be kind and gentle. I know I want to be. I know I try to be. And I apologize when I realize I have not been kind or gentle. Because after all, it is God's will for us, according to the scripture, to be kind and gentle. Let's read some passages of scripture together today. Would you read with me? Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer everyone. Set the believers an example in speech and conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Rid yourself, therefore, of all malice and all guile, insincerity, envy, and all slander. I think the words are pretty clear. I don't know if gentleness and kindness are exactly the same thing. In fact, I don't think they are, even if both are required. One person I read said that gentleness is about the way a person goes about an action, while kindness is about what action a person takes and why. You can carry out actions that are not kind, I guess. Gentleness seems to be an even-keeled, level-headed approach to things by avoiding shocking behavior, by the gracious manner in which I deliver news, especially bad news, maybe even the way I discuss the opinions of others with whom I disagree, I might be labeled gentle. Kindness probably requires a magnanimous spirit, a person who gives others the benefit of the doubt, a person who always assumes the best reasons for the behaviors of others, even when their actions are questionable. A person who resists the temptation to get back at someone or, or say the harsh, sarcastic criticism. Those are the kinds of people that we label kind. Kindness often implies compassion, empathy, sweetness, generosity of spirit. When we are gentle, we give evidence of respect and compassion for others. When we are gentle with others, we demonstrate that we see them and we value them. When we are gentle with others, we communicate thoughtfulness and consideration. When we are kind, we do things for others that are considerate and helpful. When we are kind, we might choose not to do things we think others deserve based on their behavior. Kind people have a full and complete mind because they don't indulge in giving pieces of their mind away. <laughs> think about that phrase for a minute, giving someone a piece of your mind. What does that mean? Where does that idiom come from? Well, rather than being tactful, rather than controlling our tongues, rather than following the idea, 
if you can't say anything good, don't say anything good at all. Giving someone a piece of my mind is a way of saying, I'm going to tell you exactly what I think, unfiltered, and what I think isn't good or necessarily helpful or useful or constructive, but I'm going to say it anyway. Unloading on someone can feel good at the moment because it feels like maybe the person who hurt or hindered me is getting a little piece of justice or what they did to me. But think about that. Giving a piece of your mind is just like deciding that you will be the judge in this situation and that you will pronounce judgment based on your own limited, non-comprehensive understanding. Kind people don't do that, usually. Gentle people don't do that, usually. There are lots of different instructions in Scripture that attempt to help us set up boundaries around a behavior so that we can act in helpful, kind, and gentle ways. We are told to keep a tight rein on our tongue or to curb our tongues. We are told that folks who can't control their tongues cause damage to others. We are told that whoever guards his mouth preserves life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin, the Proverbs tell us. Of course, here's something else that we know is true. The unkind remark that we shouldn't say is always the first remark to come into our minds when we're in a tough situation. It seems that our humanity supplies these kinds of unhelpful remarks immediately if it isn't our humanity, it's likely our adversary himself. We have to be thoughtful and focused if we're going to access the help of the Holy Spirit in the middle of arguments. We have to discipline our tongues long enough to wait for the kind words, the gentle words to appear. And we have to do that often enough to allow that kind of thinking, that kind of pacing, that kind of patience to become a way of life for us. So if the biblical instruction, if the biblical instruction is to be gentle and kind, how do I apply that to my life? I've been thinking this week about situations and, and the categories of people in my life. And I wonder how does this instruction to be gentle and kind apply in all of these different categories and all of these different situations. I mean, I think of my loved ones, my immediate family members. There's no question that these folks deserve kindness and gentleness from me. But these are also the folks who best know how to push my buttons. How am I doing at being gentle and kind to those in my immediate family? What about when they aren't gentle or kind with me? Well, is this about you or is it about them? If they are different than you want them to be, does that change your obligation to them? And what about your extended family members? These folks deserve kindness and gentleness from me. Some of them are not very gentle. Some of them are not very kind. Some of them are downright nasty. Well, unfortunately, Peter gives us some instructions. In 1 Peter 3, 9, he says, 
do not repay evil for evil or abuse for abuse, but on the contrary, repay with a blessing. It is for this that you were called that you might inherit a blessing. You say, Pastor, but what about church friends? How should we treat them? Or more specifically, what about church friends that I don't get along with? Well, the Bible is pretty clear that we're to consider our friends at church to be our family matters. So everything in the previous category applies. And let's think about this for a minute. The church is most like a hospital. People come to the church in various conditions and we work to bring healing and help and hope. But that means we end up from time to time working with folks who are not healed yet. People who still have a lot of questionable actions in them. People who still think and say caustic or hurtful things. People who still think they know better than anybody else in the room. People who are still demanding and cantankerous and difficult to work with. How do you treat a person like that? Well, kindness and gentleness require several things. We're required to make allowances for people who don't know better, right? I mean, we do this for kids. We lower our, expect, our expectations for kids, right? And being a kid can be true of a person at any age. We treat a person like this by having kind conversations about our differences, by demonstrating an attitude that takes into consideration the feeling of others, not just our own, by going the extra mile to keep hard feelings from developing. We talk through situations rather than running away from them. But pastor, what does kindness and gentleness look like when dealing with my neighbors? Too easy. What does kindness and gentleness look like dealing with my bad neighbors? Better question. What strategies do you employ? I would suggest direct and gracious communication face to face. Perhaps at times written communication is necessary. Perhaps a gentle reminder of what is right or perhaps lawful. I mean, can you call the cops if your neighbors are being inconvenient or inconsiderate? How do you say to your neighbor after too many late night, loud night parties, how, how do you say, well, maybe you say to them face to face, it's not my intention to cause you trouble, but when you are noisy after 11 p.m. at night, you are breaking the peace. If you continue to do this, I'm gonna to have to call the police to have the noise curfew enforced. I don't want to do this, and I don't want to get you in trouble or for there to be trouble between us, but I've gotta to go to work early in the morning and I need my sleep. Can you do that without shouting? Can you say those things without anger? Can you keep from losing your composure when others force you into corners you would rather not be in? Those are really good questions to ask yourself. How are you kind and gentle with folks at work or at school? Loud people often get attention. Soft people do not. Are there ways of being assertive enough to get attention, but gentle and kind at the same time? And how do you deal with bad colleagues? 
How do I avoid attacking those who attack me? What about standing up to bullies? Do bad colleagues even deserve gentleness and kindness? Please remember in this whole discussion, our actions are not based on what other people deserve or what we think other people deserve. Never forget, Christ died for us while we were still sinners deserving nothing. He died for us while we didn't even deserve his attention. And Christ demonstrates grace to us and invites us to do the same. What about enemies? Enemies that destroy our kids with false theories and ridiculous curriculums designed to confuse and baffle our children. Kindness and gentleness are actions, approaches that we use with people, with persons. We don't have to be gentle with ideas in the way we have to be gentle with people. We have a right to label the truth the truth. We have the, light, the right to shed light on what is false. You don't have to be kind to theories, especially hurtful ones. We refute them. Don't ask me this morning how you proceed in times of war. I can't begin to take up that question, for it is very complex. There are good Christian folks who believe that we should never go to war, that we should be conscientious objectors. There are other Christian folks that believe violence in the defense of the weak, persecuted and abused is not only appropriate, it is necessary. And I am not ready to ask you to embrace my opinions in that matter. And I'm not completely resolved in my own self that one answer fits every one of those situations. But I would just make this one observation. Eternity is for a very long time and I wouldn't wish hell on my worst enemy. So short of enemy combatants in war, I am certain our responsibility is kindness and gentleness to all people, all people, all the time, regardless of their behavior to me. You say, why pastor? Why are you so certain that kindness and gentleness matter so much? Well, the mission depends on it. The mission depends on it. This is 1 Peter 3.13. Now who will harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear and do not be intimidated. But in your hearts, sanctify Christ as Lord. Always be ready to make a defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Maintain a good conscience so that when you are maligned, those who abuse you for your good conduct in Christ may be put to shame. Catch this. It seems that practicing kindness and gentleness may result in some degree of suffering for you. And if it results in some degree of suffering for you, some degree of inequity, some lack of justice for you, that's okay. Peter knew it was gonna happen. Jesus knows it's happening. If you thought that acting in kind ways towards others would smooth out your life, well, not quite. It costs something 
to swallow your pride. It costs something to return good for evil. It costs something to be kind to people whose actions you abhor. It costs something when you allow others to take advantage of you for their good. These things cost something. But that is the price that children of the king are willing to pay because that is the cost necessary to advance the kingdom of God. Some of you know Vi Cheeseman passed a few years ago. Um, Vi lived to 106 years of age. She told me many, many times when I visited with her this story. She said, you know how we got to the church, the Nazarene? I'd say, no, Vi, tell me. I knew, but I would say, no, Vi, tell me. She'd say, when I was young, my father got very sick. He wasn't able to work for a few weeks. And the folks from the Church of the Nazarene came around and they brought us food and they were kind to us and they helped us and they supported us. And my father said, hmm, that's the kind of people we need to be. And he dressed us all up and took us to church. And for the next 90 plus years, she was a part of this church. And I'm thinking about the impact of the expression of kindness as a means for evangelism, as a means for opening doors to the kingdom, as a means of inviting folks in because you and I understand that fighting with folks and arguing folk with folks and being judgmental is not a way for folks to get into the kingdom of heaven. That's the way you keep folks out. You fight with them, you gripe at them, you, you judge them, you criticize them. Not helpful to getting folks into the kingdom of God. I remember about, about oh my gracious, about 30 years ago now, when Nancy and I were living in upstate New York in the first church uh, where I was a solo pastor, we had a dignitary from Kansas City come to our church to speak to us about mission. He was the director of missions for the whole church at the time. He came and talked to us about his research. And you can imagine a mission, a worldwide mission director was passionate about evangelism, about finding and seeking and saving the lost. That was his whole life. So he came and he talked to us and he preached and he told us about the spread of the gospel in Africa and the spread of the gospel in South America. And he gave us wonderful and encouraging and glowing stories. And then he said, he says, I'm gonna make a prediction for the next century. See, it was the 1990s, right? 2000 hadn't rolled around. He said, this is what's gonna happen. Our culture is becoming so angry and so violent that we're not gonna to need to spend any time learning methods of evangelism. We don't need to know the Roman road, we don't need to know evangelism explosion, we don't need to know the four spiritual laws, we don't need to know the steps to life. We don't know any of those patterns that we Christians learn to try to explain the gospel to other people. We're gonna to need to do one thing and only one thing in the next century. I said, tell us, what is it? I mean, we, we, we wanna know what it is, he said, 
Our culture is becoming so angry and so violent. If you will just be kind to people, it will be so out of character that people will notice and wonder why you are. And he said that almost 30 years ago. Has the culture gotten less violent or less angry since then? I don't think so. There are lots of smart people out there who have opposing views and different opinions on almost everything these days. We are in culture wars. We're having all kinds of difficulty. But if the church of Jesus Christ wants to maintain an open door in the kingdom, it will be because we are kind. It will be because we humbly express our kindness in actions. Our battle will not be won by intelligent arguments or by scaring people or by better media presentations. Our battle, our battle for the hearts and minds of people will be won by kindness, kindness expressed gently. And that is why you must be kind to everyone. Your kindness is their pathway to the kingdom of heaven. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you know us so well. And you know each time that we are neither kind nor gentle and we say forgive us. Help us. Continue to transform us. Help us to understand when we've not been kind and we've not been gentle so that we can ask for forgiveness, so that we can become the people you need us to be for the sake of this mission. Help us, Lord Jesus. We desire to be people who are kind and gentle, people who are united in prayer, People, the Spirit is transforming so that we can be useful to you. So that we can help extend the same grace and mercy that we have received from you. Because we are so grateful for all that you've done for us. This we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen invite you to sing with me as we close what I consider our theme song and hopefully the words of it will reinforce what you've heard today and while we sing invite the spirit to help you in the same way would you stand with me while we sing let it be said of us that the Lord was our passion that with gladness we bore every cross we were given that we fought the good fight that we finished the course knowing within us the power of the risen Lord 
let the cross be our glory and the Lord be our song by mercy made holy by the Spirit made strong let the cross be our glory and the Lord be our song till the likeness of Jesus be through us made known let the cross be our glory and the Lord be our song let it be said of us we were marked by forgiveness we were known by our love and delighted in meekness we were ruled by his peace heeding unity's call joined as one body that Christ would be seen by all. Let the cross be our glory and the Lord be our song. By mercy made holy, by the Spirit made strong. Let the cross be our glory and the Lord be our song. Till the likeness of Jesus be through us made known. Let the cross be our glory and the Lord be our song. And now may you and I together be increasingly transformed to the image of Christ so that his glory can be reflected in all of our relationships, now and forever. Amen. Go in peace, have some cake.